Welcome to the NFT Meta Jungle. I am Emma, aka Nifty Meta Girl, and today's episode we are featuring another edition of Navigating NFTs with Sarah Lindsay, our ongoing Twitter space where we feature different topics, current events, and social media t- tips to help us learn and navigate the NFT space. This information can be helpful both to collectors but primi- primarily for one of one artists in the NFT space. This conversation we're featuring the topic how to choose a marketplace. Uh, We cover topics related to where to list your work and also smart contracts and the available um, opportunities. So we do hope that this conversation is helpful in making informed decisions in the NFT space. Good morning. Good morning. Hope everybody is doing well. Happy Friday. We are having another, it's great to be back on our Friday space. It has been a little while since we have been here on Friday. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good morning. I know. It's, it's, it's almost been a month since we've done the space. Three weeks. Yeah, it's been three weeks. So crazy. Yes, it is. The time goes by so, so, so fast. It's, it is very crazy. And I know with you being in Australia, it was really a challenge to get us all on the same, uh, same wavelength. That's a big change heading down, down that direction. Yeah, I know. So the evening spaces like with you guys, if there are evening ones going on, those work really well for Australia. I don't know what time it was when our space would have been, but it would have been like 2, 3 a.m. for me. Yeah, that's a bit much. That's kind of that. (laughs) There's a few hours out of the day that just make it pretty much impossible. And that falls in that category, I would say. So, but we're glad to be back and definitely say hello to our friends in the room. And if anybody would like to tweet out the room, please do so. We'll work on getting some more folks in here. And as we know, um, we like to, in our Friday space, we focus on figuring out and talking about topics related to navigating NFTs. So some are social media topics, um, some, and if anybody has any questions about that, this is a great space to ask those questions. And also um, different um, details that may be relevant to our journey, both as artists and collectors. Um, So today we picked an interesting topic that I think has been discussed some around, um, but it's how to choose, how do you choose the right marketplace, some things to consider. And so definitely want this to be um, an open discussion. So we'll encourage others to join in if you'd like to. And we'll kind of talk about some things that we, um, you know, personally um, see as, as things to keep in mind. And then we can expand that some too. And if anybody has any questions, questions. I'm more than happy to dive into those and discuss. So I want to say hello to Arwen. Thank you for joining us here on the speaker panel. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Uh, Still waking up a little bit. Um, So I'll probably start speaking more a little later in the session. How are you? Totally agree. Doing good. Doing good. Yes. Um, It is your you, it's it's early for you, isn't it? Is it eight o'clock where you are? Yeah, it's eight. And I had to get up early to take my kids to school. So um just like recovering now. <laughs> Uh, understand, understand for sure. Well, you are welcome to jump in at any time. And we'll say hello to Swati as well. Hi, Swati. Good morning. 
Hi, good morning, Emma, Sarah. So many people, Harini, so many friends in the room, Arvin, Abraham. Oh my God, Luca, Jeremiah, and then, uh, you know, and everyone else. Uh, very good morning or evening, wherever you are. I'm so happy to be here. I miss the Friday space. I know it's nice to be back in our Friday space and great to hear your voice. I know it's early for you this morning as well. Oh, yeah, it's eight o'clock, but I'm up for like a couple of, I think I got up at six. So uh, I'm good. Hi, Claudie. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. So happy back. you're back here. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know when you were coming back. So happy that you are in the same time zone now. I know we can do it. I feel so rusty from the spaces. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, was thinking sometimes we go for four hours and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> am I cut out for that anymore? <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Well, to let you know, today we do have an AMA happening in Meta Jungle, and with Miss Boss Mom still on maternity leave, I'll probably need to wrap up around that time to be able to be available to help out over there if I need to. That'll be happening in our Discord in about two hours, so we'll break you in kind of easy today, Sarah. <laughs> It should be a good conversation. Like I, I already feel I know my my choices with my marketplaces that I mint on, but I really am looking forward to actually learning more about each platform because I know everybody's going to have some knowledge about them. So that's going to be good to learn. I completely agree. And um, I think on those lines, we may kind of even jump in because I think that there's some things that might even be important for, you know, the genre that we, you know, that, that we're working within. Also, you know, the genre in which we want to collect in, if that's the direction. Um, and now, of course, we also have had not only marketplaces to consider, but also different um, blockchains to mint on. And so um, as we move forward, it's like our options instead of them kind of dwindling they actually are expanding and that takes so much more extra attention um, as we know in the space so few times is it something where it's like all cut and dry and all laid out right there in front of you um, but um, it's like every there's things that change it's like going every time you go to Walmart and everything's rearranged every time I'm sure you go to Mint things there's different options and different opportunities and um, keeping up with what's happening and what's going on can be um, can be a challenge. Um, and so if you want to maybe share some of the, what, some of the things that you consider when you've been just deciding what platform and if others want to kind of chime in on that too, that would be great. Well, I think like initially when I look at platforms to mint on, it honestly really depends what I'm doing, but if it's a collection, I just feel OpenSea is, just a good way to go because that's where most most people do collect from like some people might not prefer foundation or might not like to collect from Splica, but mostly everyone likes to collect from open sea so i don't really right now i don't want to have barriers to my work or make it so that people don't want to collect it because it's on a certain platform so i'm okay with open sea there's obviously things about foundation for me that i think are a little bit better and it actually looks 
better when you mint on there. It just has a more aesthetically pleasing layout. But for me, it's OpenSea, again, just because I don't want to have those barriers. That makes um, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that that is kind of a question I get sometimes, you know, about from the collector's point of view is, you know, do you like collecting on OpenSea? And, you know, for me, that's something that, um, you know, in mentioning a barrier to entry, I think that, you know, with OpenSea being the largest trading platform in the space at this point, it's probably safe to assume that the majority of collectors are are familiar with OpenSea. Um, and so, you know, thinking about that process and, and just that fact in itself does make it one in which um, it can, you know, you've you've already got people comfortable there. They know how to buy there. They, you know, for and also know the, the strengths, but also the challenges with it, because obviously, you know, it's not perfect. But I think in this point in time with where we are with everything, nothing's 100 percent perfect. Um so keeping that in mind, you know, and then also, I know the searchability is still kind of a challenge, you know, there's definitely things like that. But um, there is, I think, um, something to be said for it being the platform that trades the most volume and also that the most people are familiar with. Um, and, you know, I think some of the barriers or concerns that we may have with other platforms um, moving forward, you know, with royalties and things like that, you know, OpenSea's established their, you know, their process and also, you know, in moving work, if you were to list work on other places, I think there are some advantages of having your work tied to a platform that can speak loudly for who they represent. Um, and obviously, you know, we can't see the future, but um, I think that there's a lot of advantages in, in that regard for sure. Um, and then, of course, um, I think, you know, thinking about personally, you know, what we want to accomplish ourselves in, with our work and where we, what direction we want to go in. Because um, I can see one of the challenges with OpenSea is the fact that there's everything there. Being found in the sea could be a challenge, you know, so figuring out, you know, obviously there's links and that sort of thing to be able to utilize and help with that we're all familiar with um, to actually be able to connect people with our particular collections. Um, but I hope to see that that's something that is increasing um, in the usability as well as we move forward. Um, but um, also, you know, I can see as we move forward some of the advantages of having um, work put on platforms or even um, curated into groups that are very specific to, you know, the type of work we we collect or we create. So I know we have mostly photographers in this space, which Jeremiah, we are so happy you're with us. And I know, but I know you are one of our few that aren't strictly photography, but that's totally great. Um, but, you know, thinking about, you know, that side of it too, um, I can see where, you know, sites, you know, that that's specifically curate photography could be a help as well as far as you know kind of streamlining and making that genre more available to collectors that are interested um, so just kind of some thoughts there and some ideas but yes Arwen you're welcome to take the mic okay um, I had a few comments uh, one second I just need to let my dog in um, so you'll hear noise for a minute um, I had a few comments on the topic. Um, it was interesting to hear your thoughts about OpenSea, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on Foundation as well when you have time. Um, because for me, 
Uh, I listened recently to The Space with Kayvon from Foundation, and it really inspired me. Like, their whole vision for the platform and what they're trying to do with it was really impressive. I mean, they're not there yet to what they want it to be, but they have a lot planned. Um, And I've always liked Foundation maybe because it's the one I started on and because I think the UI is really nice. And I also find that it seems like on foundation once in a while, this doesn't happen very often, but once in a while collectors will just browse it and find things on it. (laughs) Whereas that doesn't happen really on OpenSea. So I've always been of the mindset that I want to have my work on as many platforms as possible, because then that gives people choice. But in doing that, I think it makes it a little more hard to market my work, because I can't just say, you know, I have this collection, and it has 10 pieces, and, you know, really try and promote and sell it. Instead, I have a collection on Foundation, and I have a collection on OpenSea, and I have something on Maker's Place. And so it becomes a little bit more difficult to organize that into something that is easily marketable. Um, And that's something I'd also like to hear people's opinions on. But my thought was that if I have things across platforms, then no matter what platform a collector likes to collect on, they're not going to have a barrier to collecting my work. Um, My other thought about the platforms is that I always kind of viewed it as OpenSea having kind of a lower price point (coughs) and foundation being slightly higher and then, you know, super rare being even higher, let's say. So I don't know if that's right or wrong, but if I'm putting a piece of work that I want to price a little bit higher, I'm often hesitant to put it on OpenSea. Um, And I usually would put that on foundation. Um, But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking maybe I should consolidate my work more Um, into singular collections because I find I'm having a lot of trouble selling, you know, just one-off pieces that aren't really part of a cohesive collection. And I wonder if anyone else has experienced that. Um, But anyways, that's what I think about the different platforms and kind of the way I've been structuring my work um, across the platforms. Can I, I just want to quickly jump in and just add on to what Arwen said, because we were, me and Arwen and a few other people were also chatting about this yesterday. And I had mentioned like through my Linktree analytics, my OpenSea collections, even the sold out ones, like where they were sold out so long ago, those are still the most viewed links on my, on my Linktree and my foundation comes next and that's where I put my one of ones is on foundation like the sole one of ones so Arwen I feel the same way like I feel maybe I better fit actually a whole cohesive collection and then that is does more or does well on open sea and then obviously I'm getting more traction there so I just wanted to add that because I have the exact same thoughts as you 
And I was, I was going to mention, I, I really like your thought process, Arwen. I think that it's, um, I, obviously, I, I'm a big proponent of having, you know, kind of a plan and, and you know, being intentional with um, moving forward, because I think that that helps with answering questions and, you know, just being able to make decisions that are helping you move to the, the goal that you want to reach and where you want to be as an artist. Um, so really appreciate, you know, that thinking through and everything. And, and for me personally, as a collector, um, I think foundation has made a lot of changes in the last six months that make me more interested in collecting. There were some things early, early on that made me just to where I was holding off being a strong collector on foundation. Um, a lot of it had to do with it being more of a closed marketplace and, and just with it being so early on. Um, and so if you, um, if, and I appreciate you mentioning the, the um, information provided from foundation, because I always like to learn to where different platforms are going and, and it may just be my ecosystem, but I don't see as much much from from the foundation team um, as as some of the others and I know there's you know part of that is as algorithm but would love to the to know if you had a link or anything to the space if it was recorded I would I would definitely appreciate listening um, so we could pin it to the top if that's something that's available um, but I know it is a challenge um, especially not having data really to reflect you know to, to be able to go back to to really be able to make those decisions um, so Sarah the the analytics from your Linktree is definitely an interesting way of, you know, kind of determining how people are finding your work or really what links are getting the most activity. Um, and for those in the room that um, are not familiar with that, that do use Linktree, would you maybe walk them through really quickly, um, maybe how to check their analytics and see what's getting traction for the, their own profile? Yes, yes, yes. But the, the, the catch is with most uh, ways to view analytics is you have to do it on desktop and Linktree is no different. So when you're on your Linktree account and like, let's just say you're, we're going to make a new link or something, there is a section that says analytics at the top and then you will see how many views each link gets. But to have further analytics, you actually have to pay. But I just find it very, very, very valuable that I can see obviously which links are being viewed. So the rest of the stuff, I don't know, you'd have to see if it'd be worth the cost. But yeah, that is super handy to see that because then you know what people are interested in. And in my case, it's clearly collections, even ones that are sold out a long time ago. But someone, uh, it was Swati actually brought up a good point. She was like, okay, well, how many of those views are artists and collectors? So there is definitely that to think about. But I still think it's telling when one place is looked at more than the other, no matter if it was artist or collector. I did go ahead and pin that space to the top. I had bookmarked it because I didn't hear the whole thing and I wanted to go back and listen to it. So it was really easy for me to find. That is awesome. Thank you very much. And so that'll be a great reference. Um, I, I always appreciate getting to listen back to um, spaces and be able to um, have that chance to, you know, it's great for the teams to be able to share the, those, the progress and the steps that they have planned and all that with the community um, so we can stay more informed. So thank you for mentioning that and for pinning it to the top there, Arwen. Um, and also, Sarah, thank you for the, the information. And with Linktree, I think it, I don't, is it, a, I don't remember if it's a monthly fee or an annual fee but it's it's a few dollars i think a month for the paid version 
Yes, something like that. I I don't pay for it because I haven't used it in depth, like all the features, but it might be worth it because you can find out a lot of information on it. But yeah, it's really, really handy seeing where people click. And then I also noticed this was interesting to me was that my least clicked link was actually my additions. So I'm just wondering, like, if collections, I feel like a lot of people love collections more than editions or standalone one of ones. And it just really makes me think that a lot of people are looking for a story and like to collect into a whole story. So uh, yeah, it's been really, really interesting to see those analytics on there. For sure. I'm, I'm a big proponent for data for sure. <laughs> I like, I like numbers because sometimes if we're thinking about it and, you know, it's hard to really, it's really hard to be objective. I think when we're, when we don't have data to reflect to, and of course, keeping in mind, you know, like Swati had mentioned, you know, how many of those, you know, who, what, who is actually who out of those folks are looking at it. But um, I think you had shared that like it was like double or triple your views on your open sea links compared to some of the other platforms, which is a large, which is, that's a significant difference. Yeah. It, for my, for my collections, it's only my collections. Those just like outweigh everything else on my link tree. It is really, really interesting. I actually, cause I was chatting with Dan about this yesterday as well. We have all have a little chat where we were talking about this and he, Actually, oh my gosh, I can't remember what I was going to say, but I know he has some interesting thoughts on this. And I think he had mentioned that, which is interesting to me, that his website was one of the most viewed links on his link tree. So that's interesting to see. Dan, uh, I also know that we had another person that wants to speak, but I just wanted to jump to you quickly and see what your thoughts were on the link tree. Sure. Hey, um, good morning, everybody. I haven't been in one of your spaces in forever, so <laughs> glad to drop by. Um, I think first, so I'm actually I actually pulled mine up just as we were talking, and I have, like you said, <clears throat> my number one is my actually my number one is actually foundation, um, and then my number two is my website. But also, I've been using Linktree for like years and years and years, and so. <clears throat> I think I was using it long before I was using Twitter. So there's some degree of um, there's traffic coming to it outside of the NFT space. And so I've used it, you know, kind of as a way to consolidate and show people where all my work is. But I also was looking at, you know, where the traffic comes from to Linktree. And it's, um, it's kind of weird because mine's kind of equally from Instagram and from Twitter. Um, and, if I go look at the individual pieces, I think my number three is actually my Lost Lake edition um, when I start comparing it to all the other stuff. So, yeah, that's it's Linktree analytics are kind of cool. It's interesting to kind of see what's going on. Definitely. And glad to have you with us, Dan. It's been too long since we've since we've spoke with each other voice to voice. So it's so nice to have you with us today. This is what happens when you get a regular job. Uh, <laughs> I went from being a full-time uh, commercial photographer free and freelance photographer to being to having a job. So <laughs> I, I happen to have some time this morning to hang out. Well, I hope that I hope that that's been um, a great step forward. I think it's it's an exciting opportunity for sure. But we have missed you. So glad to have you with us this morning. <laughs> you bet. Hey, hey, before I before I. Um, 
turn it over. I was going to say one of the things that's interesting, I was listening to what Arwen said, and I have kind of felt the same way. I have stuff split up across multiple platforms, but the longer I have been doing this, the more I'm starting to lean into the ones that, that I feel really kind of serve my vision for how I want the art presented. And so it, I know it seems kind of weird for it to all be about how it looks, but I am I'm just not a fan of the way OpenSea looks. I don't like the way it renders images. I don't like the way that it loads. And I don't like the way it presents collections very well. So I've been kind of starting to migrate my stuff over to uh, Minted on Manifold and then listed on, on Foundation. And it's just because I, like I like the presentation. I also like the buying process on Foundation better than on OpenSea. Um, so as a collector, I've got like... I think I'm like 95 pieces in at this point, but I, as a collector, I prefer foundation as well. Um, I like the whole experience. I like the way the emails work. I like the way that, um, I just like the way their communication works better too. And that's great feedback. I was going to ask you if you had um, a platform that you were, you know, focusing towards and or that you preferred. Um, and all of those, you know, extra details are an important part of it because it's all part of the user experience. And also, you know, obviously with with artwork, um, the initial, you know, um, way to view it is so important as well. So, yeah. um, and it sounds like that's where you'll be moving ex more exclusively. Well, you know, it's kind of, a, I think we're in a weird spot because, um, so I did a couple of editions earlier this summer, uh, late spring, early summer, and one of them sold out, which is the, literally the first thing I've ever done that sold out. Uh, so I was super proud of that. And it was great. Um, but it was an 11, an ERC 1155, um, edition. So the only place to sell those is on OpenSea. really. I mean, you could, you can put them on other, a couple other, um, like rareable, but, um, OpenSea is kind of the place for that. Um, foundation only does ERC 721s. And so there's not really a way to, to release editions there that are 1155s. So my kind of, my plan is as I release those kinds of editions going forward, you know, they'll live on OpenSea because that's really the only platform for it. But I really, uh, <clears throat> I really prefer one of one work. Um, and not, not just one of ones, but, you know, kind of standalone pieces. I prefer them to be minted as ERC 721s. And I really prefer the way that um, foundation works. If I got a super rare invitation, I would probably release some there as well. But I, I really like um, just the way the curation works. And I kind of hope they develop out some more tools. I'd also love to see a foundation or another platform like it support uh, the 1155 token, because I think there's so much work out there that could be resold and showcased and, um, and, you know, and sold there, you know, for, for not even just on secondary, but for first, uh, for first sales. So that's my thing. And I also have some experience with Sloika. I've got some stuff on Solana. I've got some things on Tezos, but yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning into that foundation side of things, but I, just like what Arwen said, it seems to be hard to find the traffic for the standalone pieces. And so that's, you know, kind of the, where things are a little rough right now. And I, <laughs> you try to think like, okay, so where are the, where are the customers? Where are the collectors? And I know that's, that's Sarah's, we've been having this conversation for, you know, for a few days. And that's the thing that she keeps coming back to is she wants to figure out where 
is her collector base. Like, where do they want it to be? Where do they feel most comfortable? Where are they going to engage best? And so I've been thinking the same things. I'm coming to slightly different conclusions, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm trying to work out what do they want, but also what do I want? Um, what's the best presentation of my art? I completely agree. And I think that that's, you know, an important part to look at as well, you know, both, you know, from the genre that you're specifically creating, but also with the collector that responds to that. And then also it's so hard to kind of figure out if it's, you know, the, the cart before the horse, you know, how they say, you know, is it, is it the, if the art is there, the collectors will follow or, you know, is there something additional that um, a piece that needs to be, you know, fine tuned or information that's missing there that could help that part come together, you know? So figuring out where, you know, if there, if there is, a disconnect or if there's an additional piece that needs to come together to make people really comfortable with that or what that's you know what that step is and of course you know what token you feel comfortable with is an important thing to kind of um dial into and decide and and with additions yes open c is going to be kind of your an option for sure and i know um with i know you can do additions on silica but i think they are also 721s i'm not 100 percent on that but i do think that they are also 721s Yes, that's correct. Yeah, they only, um, the Sloika contract only builds uh, ERC-721s. And I, from what I, and it's been a few months because I, I minted a collection on Sloika back in January. And I, when we were talking it through, the, the contract is slightly different. So they are a, um, they're a more compact ERC-721 that, that is, uh, and I, I'm probably butchering this, but uh, um, uh, um, Arseny, who works in on their team, is their, one of their main developers, said that their contract is closed end, so it's you can't edit it later. Um, and it also the um, when they mint the contract, the contract is closed, so only the pieces minted at the original minting can ever be part of the contract. It's a closed contract, so it's an ERC seven twenty one, but it's slightly different than than the kind of standard one you would find on Foundation. That is good information. And I know Ev is in the room with us. So if he would like to share any of those details, um, you're welcome to to request and come up. So um, we are more than happy to add that to the conversation. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. So Ev, I apologize if I completely butchered it. I may have been more careful with my uh, breakdown had I known here. <laughs> Well, and those details are very, they get to a very technical level there too. So um. <laughs> I was, wing, I was totally winging it. <laughs> Well, and um, Swati, I did. I know you have your hand up too. If you'd like to comment on this, and Abraham also, if you would like to um, share with us, I know you. I don't know if you wanted to weigh in on this particular um, topic, or if you had a different topic that you wanted to share. But Swati, did you have something on with this particular topic? Yeah, but but I'll wait for Abraham if he has something to add on to this because he had his hands up much before me. So I'll let him go first, and and then and then I'll speak. Hello, Abraham. How are you today? Hello. Thank you so much. Hello, Emma, Sarah, and thank you, Suadi. Hello, everyone. It's a great space, and uh, I really missed our conversation. Thanks for the opportunity. You know, it's a great topic, and I'm agree with whatever said here. Great informations. And, you know, 
based on my experience as in this market, after, for example, eight months, you know, if you want to choose a marketplace, you need three more important uh, uh, points. The first one is how much is the value trade on the whole market about your genre as a photographer, painter, or 3D artist? And uh, then you need to see which artists and collectors are there, especially the artists, because they are who bring value to the marketplace. And the third one, which is very important, is that as an artist or collector, uh, are you safe? Uh, do you have safety on that marketplace? And in my opinion, you know, uh, OpenSea will fail in this list. You know why? Because first, it's open to all. It's open to scammers. And uh, they banned me and many artists and even collectors, and for example, without telling anything to you. So I lost my works there, my uh, NFTs that I collected. So, uh, you know, you don't have any safety there. And when I emailed them, they told me you are Iranian by blood and it doesn't matter where are you living. So you, you are banned. And, you know, it's their answer to me. But, uh, you know, my choices as a marketplace, uh, I like Sloican Foundation, you know, because they are always here. They are always answering to your question and support you. So uh, feeling of safety is one of the most important feelings that any artist like to feel it in this market. Yeah, it's my answer. Thank you so much. Thank you for that, Abraham. And that is an important um, part to consider as well. Um, that has been, it has been definitely um, disappointing. I don't know. I don't, that's not even the right word, um, but it is, you know, to have your work, um, you know, minted and available and then to have it just removed, the, the lack of communication um, and just how that process has worked has been it's been really, really frustrating and challenging. I know both from the artist's point of view, but also, you know, from everybody's point of view. Um, and that is an important thing to consider as we're deciding, you know, where to where to be transacting our business, um, really from the artist side or and the collector side. Um, and I know, obviously, we're in this time period that's so, you know, whether we're centralized, decentralized, you know, there's there's a lot of overlap, um, and definitely not justifying any decisions or actions. I know some companies are going to have different things that they have to abide by, but yet the process, I think even, even if there are restrictions and requirements, I think that that's something that could be done um, a lot more upfront and a lot more effectively. And also explaining those details fully ahead of time would help people be able to make those decisions. Um, and so, you know, if also, if there's any artist that would, that has information along these lines um, that would like to share with the group, just so we, we love being able to provide tools for people so they can make educated decisions. Um, so, um, you know, any any information that is provided by these platforms for that process. Um, and that is one of those important things also, you know, as you're moving forward, knowing where to mint your work, a question to be asking or information to be seeking out, you know, is, is to see what the future would hold there. So I really appreciate you bringing up that topic and that point because it is a very valid concern. Um, and also mentioning, you know, there is concern, you know, when, 
when losing, when work is removed from a platform, you know, with OpenSea also letting, you know, kind of maybe putting a little bit of concern at ease, you know, if work is collected, it will still be available on the blockchain. So it's not that the work disappears from the blockchain. However, you know, with a platform like OpenSea, with doing a lazy minting style, the work is not technically on the blockchain until it's purchased and then and, and then minted. And so I know I it doesn't separate the concern and the frustration and everything that is associated with the listed work going away. Um, but I do know that that it might help just a little bit um, to ease some of the initial shock um, is knowing that the work that collectors hold within their wallets is not something that they are able to remove. Um, but it would be the, the um, work that is listed that is still available for sale. Um, but still that doesn't change <laughs> the process and, um, you know, and make that to make that something that, that is worth the 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 possibility of it just disappearing um so i do appreciate that abraham um because it is something that many many of us need to be considered considering and then also you know at this point um you know we do have some ability to speak with our actions um so supporting platforms and moving to platforms you know based on what their what their restrictions are or what their ability is can help us kind of um also support those in which might be moving in the direction in which we um personally see you know want to or as a community feel like would be the best for the space you know it is you know our actions do still have that ability so thank you abraham for bringing that up Hey, Meta Girl, you mind if I throw something else in here? Absolutely, absolutely. So something I um, I was kind of thinking about is, man, it's totally jacked that OpenSea pulls artists' work on, based on that kind of stuff. I, I'm just going to say that flat out. I, <laughs> I think it is awful um, because it feels like, I mean, the whole idea is that this is supposed to be decentralized and not tied to governments and not tied to fiat currency and politics and stuff like that. So it just, it sucks. Um, so I'll say that first off, but also I think it's really interesting to, if, to stop and think about how entwined OpenSea is in everything we're doing. Like this is how almost every uh, PFP collection is, uh, is looked at. It's where the analytics are, are, calculated it's how um they're bought and sold and also i think what's interesting is is to realize that even um even wallets are referencing OpenSea to pull you know image data so OpenSea gets used as kind of the default um database for um, almost everything in the nft uh, ethereum world and so i i think it's the sort of thing where as artists, we should be asking them to do better, um, to increase their, um, you know, their stewardship of the community to, to really think through, um, how, how much what they do impacts us as, as artists and, and it impacts collectors as well. I, I just think I kind of had forgotten about that. I thought about it a few months ago when I was realizing that I had a, um, one of my collectors said, Hey, I can't see your art in my wallet. Like he was, tr he was trying to look at a piece he had bought for me for a lot of money and could not see it. And it was because, um, somehow OpenSea wasn't showing the, the actual, um, art. They, they, they refused to update in a timely manner from a piece that had been sold on foundation. 
And that just wasn't acceptable. And it took us a long time to get it resolved. But I realized, oh, yeah, that's because, you know, if you're using a wallet like MetaMask, MetaMask doesn't house any of their own imagery. They pull everything from OpenSea. So we're kind of bound in some ways to that. And there's a reason why it's the de facto uh, platform. And it's because uh, they have tons of data. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. Um, and there, you know, there can be, it's very, very clear there's those advantages and those strong disadvantages to them being the largest marketplace at this point. And it is really important to remember that that is where a ton of the data that's being used in the space for all different transactions um, is coming from. Um, and and it, is, it is pretty frustrating at times how slow they can be to reply, it seems. Um, so, um, but, you know, being able to think about different places and also um, that ability to be able to broaden our, our usage and our horizons is um, something that could be advantageous for the um, for everyone in the space. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Dan. Um, and Swati, did you have a comment that you would wanted to share? Uh, uh, as uh, You know, uh, first of all, to Abraham, I'm, I'm so sorry that, you know, you had to face that. Okay, I might say something very stupid now because I have no knowledge, but um, like to what Dan also said that, you know, like while this is decentralized, yet I think like if if you want to do business, you still have to follow the rule of that land, right? So, so I'm thinking that if a country um, has a sanction, for another country and it, it could be political but i think that you know if i'm doing business in the united states in california i have to kind of abide by the rules whether i like it or not so my question is if you know open sea has to do that because because it, 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 because because the the law requires it to do that because I, because i would think that you know if if i I'm, uh, you know, a platform where, you know, if, if an artist sell, then I'm also making money, right? I mean, I, I have to be really stupid to, uh, like, block somebody off um, unless, you know, I'm kind of bound by the laws of the land to do that. That, that That's my take on it. I, I might be wrong, but that that's how I look at it. And that, that um, just to make sure I understand what your um, what you had mentioned was that you know if that is the the law that you abide that you have to abide by by your country that's kind of that is um, what they're dictated by. Yes, because you know if if we uh, like if I'm uh, uh, making uh, you know a sale and get Ethereum and I have to like convert it in dollars, I still have to pay the tax, right? It's it's not because it's crypto that I don't have to pay the tax. So I'm I'm thinking that if I'm a company, let's say if I'm OpenSea and I let people uh, have their you know display their work there, I still have to be uh, like in order to be a company, I still have to have a license to run it. So so if if that if that's true then i will also have to abide by the law of that particular country where i have kind of set up shop i don't know how how to kind of explain it well but what i'm trying to say is that if i formed a company um 
then I have to kind of follow the government rules. And that's why. So if that if that country has sanctions uh, for other countries, then and they say that if the government says that I can't do business with those countries, then as a company, I have to kind of abide by it. Otherwise, I will lose my license. Is that not the case is, is what I'm asking. Well, I just wanted to jump in and say I think the same way as you and that's a really interesting point that you bring up and it definitely is something to think about. Maybe we could do more research on it and find more information about it. Like Savod's a really good example because he's in Dubai. He is banned from uh, using a lot of things or communicating in different ways. So I totally understand what you're saying. And it is, um, I don't know exactly what the answer is as to why we find out after the fact, after things have been minted, instead of, you know, having that information available ahead of time. Um, it seems like that, um, you know, the it is understandable that there are laws that govern, you know, different businesses. Um, and so, but, the, but finding out after the fact as to why um, that, you know, that your work is just all, the, all of a sudden removed and also artists who have had their collections available for, you know, multiple months and then, um, you know, how that process works that all of a sudden it's just gone. Um, so hopefully that is something that can be, um, can be, can be improved as, as we move forward in the space. Um, but also, you know, sharing that information amongst artists and amongst clusters, um, to be able to be aware of, you know, that, so maybe people can make different decisions as they're moving forward. So, um, but yes, if others have any information, we would be more than happy to help share that and provide that for, um, for artists and for collectors. Um, and I, I think that there may, you know, for all American based companies there may be those same restrictions um that are that are in place unfortunately um but also how they decide to move forward um i don't i don't know is is foundation based in the united states does anybody know. know i don't know i'm not sure either but that's something um we definitely need to look into <laughs> i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up Okay, that sounds great. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Dan, you're um, so awesome. I do, I do know, sorry, Emma, I, even though he doesn't have, his, doesn't have his hand up, I know Sabaud has some stuff to share about this as well. So I think it is time that we give it to him because he's not going to raise his hand. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Emma. Hi, everyone. Yes, I have nothing much to say. I just have a flight to catch. Another two hours to go. My luggage is six kilos and my hand carry, which is my camera bag, is 26 kilos. So I'm wondering how to manage these things. But yeah, I'll take care of that. Um, as far as this wonderful uh, topic goes, uh, you know, I like everyone else, I began with OpenSea. And OpenSea is always the launching pad for us. We may throw a lot of shit at it, but at the end of the day, you know, that's where we all start. We all learn. Uh, it's like... I see OpenSea as a like a school, you know, where I went. Uh, I enjoyed my schooling, but if I have a chance to go back to my school again, I'll say no because I don't want to be there. I'm okay being out out of my school, you know, that kind of a situation with OpenSea. But uh, foundation, I never went there because uh, when I came in, they had that restrictions, and it was not like a highly curated platform, not unlike like a 
OpenSea was different. It was weird. You know, anyone could give an invitation. It doesn't have to be like a curated way. You know, just throwing out the invitation to your friends while all others are just waiting in queue. I got an invitation, but I still decided not to go to foundation during those days. I know now it's all open, but uh, since then I found Sloika. And I think since then I never had to look at foundation because Sloika, you know, like we say, it's not about art, but about the artist for collectors. Similarly for me, it's not about the platform, but the people who run the platform. And I think that's where Sloika comes in. And they have such a great team, always accessible. Any idea you give, they're always ready to implement uh, and everything is open to discussion. You know, right now in this room we have the founder of Loika. Where is the founder of Super Rare or Foundation? We don't see them anywhere. Maybe some people know their names. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> so I would rather be with people who uh, gel with artists because we are the ones who make their platform. It's not other way around. But they don't show their respect that Loika shows, and I, I always respect that. And that's the reason I'm always with Loika. And also the presentation is good. Uh, the definition of image is excellent. And there's nothing you can't do there. You know, if you want to put single image, we can go ahead and put single image. You know, one of one, just a single one. You can still do that. You can do editions, which is, uh, I like that 721 because it creates some kind of a rarity because each image comes with a number. So when you collect, there's some kind of a extra edge which comes with those uh, kind of tokens. So I appreciate that editions as well. And one of ones in a collection, you can do that as well. So I don't see any reason to look here or there, uh, but only thing now left is super rare. Uh, again, I don't like that approach uh, of theirs, which is 14,000 applications pending. We are very proud of how amazing we are. 14,000 people are waiting in queue. I don't like that. If you're a platform, I don't appreciate the artist who apply and look at their work and let them come in and you know, don't acting like a dictator is not something I like. That's why I never applied to super rare. Even if I do, uh, yeah, I don't really care. I will make Sloika my super rather than anything else. So, yeah, that's my little approach. And as far as Linktree goes, I just checked, actually. It works on phone. You can see the analytics uh, without paying any money on the phone itself. And uh, like Sarah was saying, you know, even my OpenSea is the one which has the highest views, 1,400 or whatever clicks on my OpenSea link, which is my Genesis link. I think the reason it got so many clicks is because when you come in as a new person, people are curious to see who you are and what you've done. So maybe that's why it is getting so much of hits. But then when you're present 24-7 for last eight months, people stop clicking on those links because they know who you are and what you do. Maybe that's why the views reduced, the clicks reduced as it moved forward. So yeah, my uh, Genesis OpenSea has the highest number of clicks in my OpenSea more than anything else. Swati, did you have something you wanted to share? I know your mic is open. Um, so I was just going to check and see if you had um, a comment for Savot. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know my mic was open. I hope uh, you didn't hear anything that you are not supposed to. <laughs> we all... Just a flush. Uh, uh, oh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, so, no. I'll flush you out now. That's so not true. I'm sitting on my sofa. You cannot say that. <laughs> No, no, I, I'm sorry. My microphone was uh, on. It is okay. No, it was very, it was silent the whole time. I just didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Thank God you told me. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just biology, Swati. It's all right. I know, but you know, you don't have to always, uh, like, 
Yeah. Are you, you can saying be we private. don't have to be we don't have to be that close to yeah, family? I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't have to like put you through I know you're all friends, but uh, yeah, I mean as friends also you have your limits, right? Uh, that I I have to admit that's my worst fear ever. So <laughs> no, no. If I ever take the phone in the bathroom, I check like five hundred times, and I'm never holding the phone in my hand. It's, it's far away. <laughs> oh, look at Subodh. <laughs> look at Kirit, did not me. Kirit. Okay, Kirit. okay. He did it on purpose. So uh, I take my phone in the bathroom all the time and talk to you guys in the bath. Like, okay. I have no shame. Just saying, no, no shame at all. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah came to a space. She was in the bathtub, and I was like, "You're making everyone imagine things now. Stop doing this." Okay, too much info. <laughs> no, I, but I also wanted to add in the beginning, and then you know the conversation turned a little bit. <clears throat> when I first, uh, you know, joined the NFT, I first of all I, I didn't know which platform to choose because you know it was like seven months back, and I didn't have. too many friends at that time who were into nfts and and i just didn't know like which platform to choose till you know i i spoke to harini and uh, and then she told me she was uh, on foundation and that's the best for photographers but then at that time foundation to be on foundation you needed an invite so um Hendro had uh, sent me an invite at that time he said that but you know I, I will give you a, an invite if if you uh if you're serious about it so I thought about it and I said yes so that's how my foundation uh, uh journey started but I I think that you know it works for me uh, I don't have an account on OpenSea uh, because I I think I have so little to sell and it's always one at a time although i have um like um what do you call series but it's it's not like i have a collection it's it's always one or two that i mint at a time so i think foundation really works for me and then uh, you know i uh, was invited uh, in sloika um and i think that i i, I really enjoyed uh, putting my work there because uh, uh, because because of the way it is displayed and for the first time i actually had a collection of 3 that that's the most i've done um um like three and i think that you know when i looked at sloika the way it was displayed the way it's curated i think that you know it looked really amazing so i think these are the two platforms i'm in right now um the thing is i also don't want to be all over the place you know then it's like so many things to manage like if i had for example if i had um uh editions or stuff like that then i would think of another platform but you know because i just do one or two images at a time it doesn't make sense for me to be all over the place uh, yes if super rare invites me i would be very happy to be there uh, because also of the collector base i mean all of us we want our work to sell at a higher price and you know there are a lot of collectors over there who actually would pay that uh, that price for your art so but they haven't invited me so but but yes if they do i would be happy to put my work there also 
So yeah, but I also don't want to be like everywhere because for me it becomes very difficult to manage. And DC also um, invited me to Maker's Place, so I I am on Maker's Place. I haven't minted anything yet. I I definitely plan to do one or two over there also. Hey, Meta Girl, real time follow up. The foundation is located in Los Angeles. That is good to know. That is good to know. Thank you for looking that up, Dan. So now we know Foundation and OpenSea will both be, um, I guess, are on opposite ends of the country because I believe that OpenSea is based out of New York, um, which I think they then have their own um, restrictions, too, to some degree with, with crypto. New York has some of their own strict guidelines um, for, for cryptocurrencies, not necessarily NFTs. But thank you for that, um, for that information, Dan. And thank you, Swati, for um, sharing your insights with how you've made your decisions as well. Um, and Arwen and Sabot, if you had um, different, had um, something you'd like to contribute to this, you're welcome to do so. Okay, well, what I had to say actually was inspired by one of Sabode's comments um, about super rare. Um, but I wanted to start it out by saying that, you know, we always say we're early, but uh, my comment really does um, exemplify that in that one of the really exciting things about the space right now in these marketplaces is that they're they're all building, you know, and they're all adding features and trying to get to what they consider to be the best way to, you know, show um, art and other NFTs. And so that's super exciting. And they all have these big plans, like um, someone who's a beta tester for OpenSea was saying that they're trying to figure out how to display art better on their site. And then, like I mentioned, Foundation is adding all these new features. Um, and Super Rare, one of the really interesting things about Super Rare, um, I don't know if everyone read this tweet that they put out a while ago, but you know, I kind of had the same impression that Sabode had that, you know, oh, they're really gatekeeping and, you know, they only have a handful of curators who are all, you know, employed by Super Rare. And, you know, so they obviously prefer a certain style because people just in general, you know, prefer a certain style. But it was interesting. They wrote a tweet saying, I'll just paraphrase it. Um, they, they've been trying to figure out how to continue to have a curated marketplace, but not to have it be gatekeeper, um, gatekeep, gatekept. I don't know what the word is. Um, so what they were thinking about doing is inviting, like having other curators rather than only the core team of curators. So more, as more people and different people would curate on super rare, it would become more diverse and have more different styles because each of those curators would have their own preference. And the way they were thinking about doing that is they have this concept currently of the super rare spaces and super rare spaces, people apply to become space hosts and then they curate galleries. And so they're thinking about having like lists of artists from each of those space curators and all of those artists would be able to sell on super rare whether they were selected by the core team or not so i know that's something they're considering and it sounds like it's something 
from the beginning they've been really concerned about is, you know, how to combine the Web3 concept of, you know, being um, <clears throat> not being centralized, being decentralized with the concept of curation, because that's kind of a hard thing to do. And so the fact that, you know, they're concerned about that and that's on their mind actually makes me really more enthusiastic about super rare because they're trying to keep it you know so that they don't have like junk art on the site but also on the marketplace but also have it be not as centralized as it is now so i thought that was really interesting i agree yeah, go ahead, sorry, Sarah. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to jump in. Um, it's not really about the platforms, but I just love what Arwen said. How, like, first of all, she's taking the time to like learn learn about the platforms and see what they're saying as well. I think far too often we can jump the gun and just assume things about these platforms, when in reality, just like we need to have patience with selling our artwork, we also need to let the rest of this world build their stuff and, and evolve as well. So I really love that Arwen just brought that up. And I also wanted to share that because I believe that's important. You know, do your research before you make your decisions and definitely don't make your decisions based on group chats and what people are saying. You'll learn definitely some knowledge in them, but make sure you really do your research. That is a good point. Um, and also, Arwen, I think that I appreciate that you brought up um, Super Rare's spaces because it is an interesting opportunity um, to be able to expand the exposure and the opportunity to be featured on Super Rare. But also, from you know my point of view, it also kind of helps on the curation side that um, it seems, you know, we've seen this with collectives to some degree as one of the incentives for a collective is to be able to combine and have a louder voice um, with a group together. But I can see that for sure as a, a gallery or a space on Super Rare to be able to have a curated, you know, area that can be promoted and different artists can be represented within that. Um, I know we've seen that with Monolith and what they're creating and what they've curated. Um, but I look forward to seeing that even more, um, you know, even you know, there could be a, a subset of photography that pursues that opportunity. So, for instance, wildlife photography to be able to, you know, go and be able to secure a space that they're operating within and um, it being an interesting way to be able to bring attention to those, you know, fine art wildlife photographers. And there is also from the collector standpoint, there are some things there that give you some um some comfort level because there's, you know, the, the, I think at that point, there's already been some questions answered to, you know, how the work is created, who is creating the work, if the work is, re, you know, is real, if it's really the people that are creating the work that are selling the work, you know, there's a lot of those things that you do ahead of time when you're figuring out pieces to purchase um, that some, especially with, with different genres does more degree than others, but there's that trust factor that's already there. So I think that a collector can feel more comfortable possibly pursuing um, purchasing those pieces, but yet um, having the opportunity to be able to have a louder voice, I think helps a lot. So um, if any, you know, for groups that are looking at, you know, ways in which to be featured on Super Rare, it is interesting that it is an opportunity. Really, there's an open application process you can find on their website, and it really walks you through the steps of being able to um, 
you know, have that, that chance to have your own gallery. And then of course there's fees that can be associated with that that could help fund additional, you know, projects and steps in the future. So it is an interesting way of of proceeding and it is very interesting that I know that they would like to, you know, they plan on growing as a platform and figuring out how those platforms are going to do that. You know, do they expand their own internal team and they're deciding what art gets put on the platform or do you figure out a way to open that up a little bit more and be able to, um, you know, have more views and have more voices involved in the process. So um, it is interesting the, pro- the the steps that they have taken to be able to um, kind of, you know, not be 100% responsible for all the work that is then um, minted onto Super Rare. Um, and I know like Fellowship Trust is a group in the space that they have a um, Super Rare space. And um, they have been, I think they're still the most, um, I think they have generated the most um, amount of ETH um, since they have launched their um, their space, but that is how they've been able to um, facilitate bringing in some some different artwork into the space. Um, but just as an example, and obviously I think a lot are familiar with Monolith, but it'll be interesting to see how others are moving forward with that opportunity too. So it might be something to consider as well um, and, and looking at that process of being accepted to Super Rare. And I didn't know the detail about, you know, kind of expanding from being accepted into a gallery to also then maybe being able to mint on super rare outside of the gallery space or the spaces um, structure. So really great information for sure. Um, and Sabo, did yeah, you? Let, oh, go oh, ahead. let me see if I can find that tweet too, and I'll pin it to the top because it was really interesting. Um, kind of the same uh, thing as the space from foundation, they kind of talked about their vision, you know, and, what super rare is hoping to achieve in time uh so i'll try and find that one as well thank you arwen i appreciate it very much and Sabo, did you have a comment? I know you had your hand raised. And I'll also invite, if others are in the room that would like to join the conversation, you're welcome to request and come up. Um, we're just kind of talking about, you know, steps that we use to um, choose a, a marketplace, different things to consider. And you can share your personal opinion. You can ask questions. So, um, but Sabo, if you'd have, if you have something you'd like to contribute, you're welcome to. Yeah, I think Swati, you know, said something interesting, which is, uh, again, with marketplace, I think it comes down to how much work you're putting out. You know? So in at least personally, in my case, I just put very, very limited work one at a time. I don't put anything out till something is over. You know, uh, I don't like to keep uh, anything, you know, running live till I finish that. I don't go to the next step. So. In my case, that's why I think it makes it much, much easier for me to choose my marketplace because I don't need multiple chains. I just need, I mean, multiple platforms. I just need one. For instance, right now it's Loika. I finish something there and I look for the next step. What fits my next step? If it's against Loika, I'm going to go back to them. If it's something else which can't be done on Loika, which most often it, everything can be done on Loika, but there are one or two things which can't be done on Loika where I will need OpenSea. In that case, I'll go back to that platform. So I think it comes down to the amount of work one puts out and that's again a deciding factor in marketplaces uh, at the same time for me you know with uh Sloika, for instance you know they have this uh what do you say a uh, curated platform just like super rare and Sloika is a team of nine people that's about it you know their team is nine and they are working day and in and day out to make sure that anyone who applies there's no backlog you know they're very very fast in that approach and even if there is a lag 
they can come right now Sloika space is on you can just go there and say i applied and you have not put into my application right away they get to work you know so that's something really impressive about them they get a lot of applications but still they make sure that not not uh, no one is kept waiting forever uh, or you don't have to do any other things you know just let let them handle the work and that's about it you don't have to run all over twitter telling them to approve them it, they just take care of it which is really cool and also when it comes to collection i think uh, dan was talking about it as a collector even my in my case i'm not a collector but still i have about 200 pieces now which i've collected and all of them you know at least 80% of them are from open sea 20% from sloika and 0% from foundation you know i just that's one platform i don't know why i'm just not able to get a grip over i go to buy sometimes i see all this bidding war and i'm like no i don't want this i just let it go and you know something about it which just doesn't click for me it's again personal opinion but if it works for you it's uh, great it's a beautiful platform anyways so yeah these are the few things i wanted to say i yeah i just want to add on to that i think like the biggest takeaway from this entire space is make sure it's what works with you and everybody's going to have different ways that they see things i i also do take into consideration i feel like the price point that i'm selling for i definitely take into consideration my collectors and where they prefer to collect because it's just who i am it's just also my personality and i like to teamwork things so i definitely take that into consideration and if the majority of them you know are comfortable and prefer this one platform then i'm totally okay with you know like not having everything about the platform be perfect for me there's some things with my work that is my way or the highway for sure but definitely being flexible and i think platforms for me is one where i can be like fully flexible to my collectors Yeah I think one good thing about I mean interesting thing about open sea is PFPs you know uh, a lot of collectors do play on PFPs we're also used to that open sea however broken sea it is you know at the end of the day we know exactly how it works and we just want to jump on that comfort zone you know that's again maybe the reason why I happen to collect more on open sea than anywhere else but I again it's up to each person you know? uh, that's one thing I wanted to say and one more thing was running through my mind which was again yeah collectors you know we can always make sure that collectors come to the platform where you are you know if you are interested to do that you can always try that for instance chip is in the listeners he collected his first piece from sloika in one of the uh, spaces recently till that point he was not a collector on sloika but now he is a collector on sloika and he's got two three pieces already after that similarly abbas he has never ever collected a piece on sloika because he never had a chance or no one told him about it but finally uh, we introduced him and we told him why don't you collect a piece from sloika and he did that his first nft on sloika is done and now is going back to the platform so sometimes i think it's also our duty to bring in the collectors you know when the platform is good and we admire the platform we also should take some effort put some effort to push the collectors toward the platform we like and tell them why we like it you know more we educate i think it helps us I think that that is a great point. Um Sabodin that's something too that um you know with with 
listening with so many people in the space that are creating and, and minting collections, I, I that is a feedback that I have heard that, um, you know, when they've reached out to collectors um, with different platforms, the collectors have mentioned, well, I'm not really familiar with that platform. Um, and so that's something, too, that that I know is, you know, just kind of looking at the process from the other, from the opposite side and putting your, you know, yourself in their shoes, thinking about that in, in the process of, you know, when you are deciding what marketplace to mint on, um, you know, asking even, you know, having the opportunity, which Silica does a great job of being available, but having that opportunity even to ask them, you know, if there's additional things that they're doing to help educate people about the platform in general and the artwork that's available. I know with Silica, they send out a newsletter regularly um, and that's how they announce some of the new drops and things like that. I think that um, there's probably that opportunity with others. I know Super Rare does as well. Um, but, you know, thinking about some of those opportunities to be able to announce that work is available, but also making sure people are, are comfortable and familiar with how to use the platform. Because I can see that as a, a a barrier to entry for some that do, you know, these these collectors that may be active in the PFP space and then coming into collecting art. Um, it's not that they're not um, they're not interested in art all the time. It's also then figuring out, you know, you have to learn about the artist, learn about the genre you want to collect, but then also which platform and, you know, not just buying the piece, but where the piece resides and where it is for the future. And if you do want to sell it at a future date, how that process is going to work. So there are some steps there and some details that, um, you know, being aware that someone might be new to that process, um, you know, might give you that opportunity to um, kind of foresee some of those questions that they may have and be able to help them through that process. Um, and even, I know, you know, Silica is a specific platform that, um, you know, if you're not collecting photography, you're probably not familiar with, with Silica. Um, so being aware that um, there may be people that just need that process of walking through or, and it is an easy process um, to, to, collect from Silica, but also what happens with the work afterwards and letting them know that if they do choose to, to trade on trade the pieces that it would, could happen on, on OpenSea and just where that, even now I know with the recent updates with OpenSea and with MetaMask that um, if you collect from Silica, it typically goes to your hidden folder. So, you know, even walking through those steps to get, to gain some, some security there so they don't wonder, okay, I bought this piece now, why can't I find it? You know, just those little details that um, I'm sure I'm sure down the road will be a thing of the past, but just something that kind of might help um, collectors feel a little bit more comfortable in the process. Um, but Swati, I know you have your hand up. You're welcome to comment if you'd like. So I, I have a comment about uh, foundation. See, why foundation also works for me is because they only charge 5% from us. So if I make a sale, foundation is only taking 5% compared to a lot of other platforms who are charging you 18% or 15%. You know, so I think that works in our favor. The other thing about the bid war, uh, uh, bid war the thing is foundation has options where you have a reserve price and a buy now price. So if a collector doesn't want to get into a bid war, they can just do a buy now and buy it and that 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 NFT belongs to him. But sometimes the collectors also um, <clears throat> would, uh, you know, 
not do a buy. I, I know one of my collectors had said that to me that uh, that he didn't go and buy it because he kind of wanted me to put it out there so that a bid war starts because if it does then it's good for the artist because a the artist makes more money at the end of the day plus the thing is you know a uh, lot of people kind of know okay this artist must be really good that people are fighting over that nft or the work m- might be really good now th- there could be people saying that you know it's not good you know uh, because it can cause a frenzy or whatever and and i'm sure you know there will be people with uh, you know who say something else but at the end of the day if let's say an artist lists something for uh, let's say 0.4 and actually makes one eth that's good for the artist and i know that um the the only thing though that i don't like about foundation is you know that settling the auction um i i hope they they do away with that because for me what has happened is uh, i never had to settle any of my auctions when i had my work there my collectors always settled it and because they did i didn't even know that uh, there was that feature till um till uh, you know i actually bought a one of one from foundation and then i realized that you know there was like a settle the auction and i was out of the house and then i suddenly saw an email which says you know that i own the uh, nft but uh, i have to set like either uh, the artist or the collector settles the auction and i didn't have a clue and uh, so i i kind of dm'd uh, the artist saying that you know i'm out of the house don't worry i'll be back in a few hours and i will settle the auction because obviously i didn't want the artist to have to settle the auction so i think that that, that is one pain po- point uh, you know as far as foundation is concerned but i think in all other ways and and they are also constantly you know making changes i mean now with the new changes you know the home page you have so much option to you know do it the way that that you like so so i guess that they are listening and uh, they are making changes so as an artist that's why it 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 works for me that makes a lot of sense and um glad that you um shared that with us about um you know why it works for you and and those things that you've considered as as making that decision um and and i know the 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 auction part is something that does add a little bit of an element to it so that might be something too that for a new collector in that regard they may have a few questions or um you know just also having that opportunity to kind of chat with them or or walk them through the process if there's any questions there or even anticipating that they may not know if that they need to settle the auction or how that process works. Um, but Arwen, you're welcome to take the mic. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, maybe they should get rid, rid of the settling. I've had, I had the same problems that Swati had about not knowing if I should settle it or have the collector settle it or ask them to. And then I did buy one and I had to figure it out, you know, from the collector's side. I, I don't know why they need to have that. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, it's so interesting because some collectors seem to love the auction 
And then some collectors really don't like the auction. So it really depends, you know, like, that's one reason I said I like to be on both places. Although now that foundation has the buy now that gives you more options. But I mean, I know of some collectors who just love the thrill of the auction. And it is true when I collected a piece through auction, it was kind of, you know, like a thrill and a high of, you know, oh, am I going to get the piece, um, which is kind of exciting. Uh, so, you know, there is that for the auction. And I've actually thought about doing auction on OpenSea because they do have that ability. But I don't know if it's changed. But when I was thinking about it, um, people could only bid in Weath. I don't know how to say it. Rat ETH. Um, and so it seemed like that might discourage people uh, from, you know, participating in the auction. So I didn't end up doing it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think the auctions are kind of fun. And I think a lot of collectors think they're fun. But it really does depend on the collector. Um, and I did pin that super rare tweet up there talking about um, the decentralization. And also, I think, which is important, like you say, if we're doing the bidding on OpenSea, it's just kind of like these extra steps. So you really want to keep things simple. Like no one wants to have to think when they're trying to do things. So I take that into consideration as well. Like what is easy, the easiest way to buy something? And yeah, I agree. I think I think as you're adding an additional element to it, it's just going to maybe refine your audience or your collector base a little bit more if there's more complications because um, obviously if they you know are, are someone that has been trading and are really comfortable with that they'll know how to you know switch over and it's not a hard process to to wrap and wrap ETH but there is some fees associated with it at diff, you know and that can change at different times but um, I do I do think that I that you know holding back from that when there is an extra step is is definitely something realistic to keep in mind and also how complicated you need to make the process um, to be able to collect is definitely something I think is good to consider. Um, but Dan, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're welcome to take the mic. <laughs> Not at all. I, I was going to just, I was just going to say basically that is that, uh, so I've been working through a, a new project just in my brain and a bunch of my friends have heard me, you know, bounce on ideas, but like the, the biggest thing that I'm trying to consider is, what is the what are the friction points for somebody who decides they like the art and they want to get on board? Um, and if there's too many things in the way, it can cause problems. I, and I, that's one of those things where, like, yeah, to have to use WETH on OpenSea for auctions and the fact that the auctions are limited to only you, – you have to start it. You, you can't just say, hey, this is open and let somebody kick it off. Like, no, you have to start when the auction is going to go and it's only for 24 hours. Um that's it's really limiting and people have a hard time wrapping their heads around it. And then I think with um, if you, if you kind of think about um, in the marketing world, you want to make sure there's not too many options or people kind of zone out and they can't make a decision. So making it too complicated um, when there, where there's too many, either too many options or too many steps ca can cause people to just close the tab and just leave. Uh, so that's something to think about. I also was going to say like the one thing that's a little bit annoying that I, I hope foundation works out their 
settlement process. I agree. It's dumb. And it was really bad when it cost you like a hundred dollars to settle an auction. Um, now it's not so bad, but it's, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but buying a piece of art, um, just placing the bid is actually cheaper on foundation than it is on OpenSea, but it's because OpenSea just handles the, the transaction. Um, they're, you know, you're minting there and then they're transferring it to your wallet on foundation. They've just kind of decentralized it and, and left that last section out. But I'm one of those people where I wish they would just include the settlement in the purchase. Like I, it just seems kind of dumb that, that it's not something that's just on, it should be on the person buying. It should not be on the artist. I completely agree with you, Dan. Um, and you made a great point too, that as, you know, developing a new project, I get really excited about new innovative ways of presenting a project and doing different creative things. Um, but that's always some of the feedback that I, you know, I encourage people to think about is, can you make it straightforward and simple um, for people to understand and the steps, you know, so they know what they're going to do because um, the best there, you can have the most exciting plan, but if it's, if it's hard to communicate that's going to just hold back people that might be interested anyway um, so it is really important to consider and that is just one of those principles of if it's too complicated or people feel um, you know especially as fast as the space moves if they're not super confident in the process that sometimes it doesn't have to do with the artwork or the project or the plan it's just complicated and you lose people um, just from from the additional steps so appreciate you bringing that out for sure um, and Swati, you are welcome to go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to quickly say hi to Dan. We ha we are in a same group chat, but you know, never get a chance to really say hi to him. So I thought, you know, like we're doing voice chat now. So I'll just quickly say hi to him. Hi, Swati. And <laughs> hi, and I'm a huge fan of your work. You know that. And likewise. Oh, likewise. oh thank you, thank you. Uh, so what Arvin was saying, you know, in terms of, you know, it's a little fun if uh, bid war starts and all that. But I also have to say that while I know that it's really good for the artist, I, on the other hand, if the collector who places a bid on my work and I love that collector and I want the collector to have my work, I just stay quiet. And this has happened. And the collector has written to me saying that, you know, it's all right and I could just uh, uh you know make a post and say that you know that that he bid on it but i i usually don't and emma knows this because i would sit quietly for 24 hours so that it goes to that collector that i love because i think as an artist as silly as it sounds you know we like I, I at least I am like, you know, attached to my work in terms of, you know, because I put so much thought into making it. So when I know that a collector who will really, you know, honor that work uh, wants it or gets it, I want it to, uh, I want that person to have it. Um, and uh, same with Emma, you know, when, when she got my work, well, well, she got it from Sloika, so she, there wasn't a bid war. But, you know, like, you know, there are some people who who get your work and that just gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling. I think I'm in that group. So I know that while it's sometimes good to be on a bid war because it can be good for my profile, if I love my collector, I'll just zip it. <laughs> 
yeah, so I know I you, you have. Sorry, Emma. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, you're the, you are sitting right there with the um, person that started the auction on pins and needles to see who uh, gets to settle the auction, huh? <laughs> and Sarah, you can go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I feel the same. There's like certain collectors that I really want to be connected with. So, you know, I, I don't feel like there's huge risk of an auction, to be quite honest. With a lot of my work, I know if someone wants it, they want it, and then they'll put an auction on it, and they'll likely get it. But I feel the same way as Toddy. There's some people that I really want, it, want to have it. So just putting it at risk of the auction may take that away. I actually have a funny story about this that I thought I'd tell. So um, <laughs> one collector uh, messaged me one day and said, oh, I really love this photo that you had in your GM. Will you, you know, mint it and put it up for auction? And he really wanted it to be put up for auction, which I thought was a little bit strange, you know, because if he really wanted it, he would just buy it. Um but so I did it, you know, I meant it. I put it up for auction and he said, oh, but my, and I think the starting bid was like 0.25 or 0.3. Um, and he said to me, you know, I can't go over one ETH. And so it turns out a big bid war started and somebody else got the piece for one ETH and he didn't even get it. And now every time we talk, he's like, oh, I wish I had gone higher on that. <laughs> But he has another one of my pieces, so, you know, I'm happy about that. But it's just a funny story and what could happen at an auction. <laughs> I know, that's why, that's why they should just, if they love it so much, they should just buy it. But, uh, yeah, I think the bid war can be good for the artist. Well, I think, you know, um, he had been doing a lot of auctions and it's just the thrill of the auction. So that's why he wanted it done that way. But it was a little ironic, um, you know, how it turned out in the end. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm going to add something to that. I think I actually enjoy buying on Foundation be because it's it actually is the bidding on uh, the work of the artist that is maybe a little more exciting to me than actually winning. And I, I don't know if that, sound, if that seems a little weird, but um, I'm actually okay when when it, when somebody else gets it, if it's over what I can spend or if I happen to be in a meeting or something when, when it closes. But I I just want to say that I a few of the th I've bid on a whole bunch more that I haven't won, but I'm kind of stoked to be part of the process. Um, so yeah, for what it's worth, I, I, enjoy, I really enjoy the auction process because of that. I agree. I think once I think also once you've gone through the process of the auction a first time, then um, any reservations you have kind of go away. Um, but it is it is really, really fun. I know that's been probably on pins and needles, the auctions that I have participated on, um, because you just don't know, if, you know, and it goes down, you know, that it's going to kick over and give you a little bit more time um, and, and to be able to respond. But still, you're kind of on pins and needles knowing how it's going to go and everything. And it does make you know that exciting part of being able to to collect so um and i i know we have several artists on the panel that have um been on foundation when it was just auction and when it has been um where you could set a um to do a buy now do you guys have a preference or have you seen um a difference after that was an option 
I've never had anybody take me up on the buy now on on foundation. And I haven't sold a ton of pieces on there, but every single one of them has been um, auction except for one, which was a private sale. And I don't know that that's even an option anymore. I'll that's just really say, interesting. Oh, sorry, Emma. Same, same on my end. All have been by auction and just one was a private sale. That's on foundation. Very interesting. Um, and Homan, you're welcome. Homan, you're welcome to um, take the mic. And then I know Omar um, has his hand up as well. Hey, guys. Hey, Emma. Hey, everyone. So happy to hear you guys. Uh, and I was really enjoying and using your information uh, about uh, buy now something uh, something weird happened for me, and it was uh, we good weird. Uh, I was uh, you know having uh, you know one of my pieces with the uh, auction uh, amount, and the collectors the collector uh, DM me and uh, told me that. I I uh, understand that uh, in your collection you sold one higher than the amount that you put on your piece. So I'm going to give you two options. You can uh, put the uh, buy now uh, price uh, higher than the uh, other one, like the auction uh, before that you sold, or you can uh, do it an auction, and I'm going to start your auction. So it's uh, your uh, you know choice. It was like 0.4 for uh, auction or 0.5 uh, for Bino. And since I saw that uh, that person was so real and uh, he really liked my art, I told him that, yeah, I'm going to uh, put the you know, Bino uh, amount. And uh, he just grabbed the piece. And I think that was one of the best you know, feeling that I had from sale because I... I saw that person really like my art at first and the second he gave me that option that you can have both of these two and uh, yeah that was a great and weirdly good uh, experience for me guys Very cool. Thank you for sharing that experience. Um, and I've been curious with Foundation adding that as an option, whether it was something to appease people that were, you know, kind of critical of it not being available. Um, I think as humans, so often we, we will comment on things that are not available, but it doesn't mean we're going to actually use it. <laughs> so it's always, um, that part's always intriguing to see how we react when those options are available. Um, but Homan, if you had something else on this, you're welcome to go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I had to add something. And the one of the things that I really hate about foundation is when you put the buy now price, uh, it will show that price, you know, in your panel. It's not show the uh, you know reserve price, and uh, I think it's not a good idea for the foundation. And I think that thing should be you know somehow uh, you know deleted there. I think the auction uh, pr because when you do reserve price, you mostly do a little bit lower than buy now price. At least as for me, it's like this. And when you uh, see that uh, you know a little bit higher amount, it could. I think damage your sale. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, to one of mine, I removed the buy now price because I wanted it to show the auction price there. Sorry, I interjected before other people, but I just wanted to make that one comment. 
Yeah, but I also feel that most of the collectors who buy from foundation, they know that <clears throat> there are two options. And I think that, you know, when you have the buy now, buy, buy now price, it's always a much higher price. So that is, I think, good for the artists that, you know, that you actually think that if somebody is paying them, the, you know, is like buying from you, that this is probably, uh, you know, something that you expect that even an, if an auction starts, that it'll probably end in that price. So, uh, so, so I, I don't really see it as a big hindrance as far as I'm concerned because m most of the collectors already know about this feature. And I agree with you. I think I think it would be nice, maybe even to show both, um, if it was available, because um, it does. It just adds that a bit. You know, when you're looking through and seeing the listings, it gives yet another step to really be able to to fully assess what you're you're looking at. You could then click in and then see what's going on. It just kind of adds process back and forth. And in my opinion, but um, there are so many of those details there that each person kind of um, interprets those a little bit differently um but um oh go ahead but but Emma, my thing is you know if if you want to buy something then you will click on that image like, like if you see an image and you know that you're on foundation and for example it says buy now price one ETH and you love the image you will click on the image uh, and the moment you do that, all the details are right below the, the image, what, when you listed, uh, you know, how you're splitting the cost, which wallets and uh, the description of the image, the prices. So everything is there. So and I'm sure that nobody would look at a thumbnail and, you know, buy something, they would still like, open it up and, and see it on the screen, whether it works for them before they go for it. So That is true. I am sure that most definitely would. Um, I, and I, I, I like having some of the options there, but I agree with you, Swati. I'm sure that they do go ahead and click on through. Um, and Omar, I know you've had your hand raised. If you'd like to um, take the mic, you're welcome to. Yeah. Hey, Emma. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I, I, on Foundation, I have like one piece like back in the old days when they didn't have the buy now option. And I, I, I think that the buy now is, is a good option to have because, as you said, like a lot of people on foundation like the, the, the feeling of the the auction and the bid war and everything. But by the same token, there are a lot of people who like to like, I like this, I want to have it now. I don't want to go through the whole process of like bidding and waiting 24 hours and all of that. So having the, the idea of having both available at the same time it's not like either auction or uh, or buy now. You can have like both set up. I think it's it's good, but yeah, on foundation like more. I feel like more people are into the the idea of uh, of the auction. So yeah, I'm probably like what I'm gonna do. I, I have two other pieces that just listed as buy now. So yeah, whenever I get like more ETH, most probably I'm gonna add on the the auction option. Because, yeah, it's, it's always good to have, like, all options and see what you want instead of, like, having the, the auction part and then someone likes it and you have the, they know if you, they want to buy it now, they don't want to go through the whole option. They have to go to the artist, like, DM them or contact them, and then they reach the deal. Okay, I want it, so we make a private sale. 
all of that are like extra steps and as we agreed like the less steps the better so yeah like having both options I think is a good move I completely agree with you and and it sounds like even if the um if the preference is to do an auction um it may be something that even motivates that auction to kick off um so it is it's good feedback to know that both are being used but I agree there are sometimes and I think some collectors that instead of waiting the 24 hours or you know they may be traveling or something or they just see the piece and they want to purchase the piece I know I do that a lot where you know I just I really like it and I want to buy it so I just that having that option available is really good. Um, but um, I hope that the, I hope um, adding that to um, your pieces does help with that, Omar. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, and, and regarding the, 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 the platform stock, like I just want to say that I think OpenSea is like, is one of the worst platforms I've ever seen. Like the only thing that's worse than it might be like Instagram or something. <laughs> it's like OpenSea just uh, it's annoying and I, I don't like the fact that I'm at the mercy of their decision so like right now I have no problem with OpenSea as regards to like I'm not in a, in, a, in a banned country but you never know like what might happen tomorrow what the the, the, the president might say to, 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 to their president and then they decide okay we don't, we're not like friends with Egypt anymore so let's ban everyone and there I, I don't like that idea. So yeah, I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm not minting, I'm not adding anything new to OpenSea. I'm just like, whatever is there is there and anything new I, I have, I, I like start slowly to go through like foundation or so I just got in Sloika, but I didn't like mint anything yet. Uh, so yeah, most probably I'm going to be moving away from OpenSea because uh, yeah, I, I don't like, the, the idea of the dead in control of whether I exist on that platform or not. I do have a question. Um, since we know that Foundation is also in the United States, is there a verification process or something that you do as differently when you're going through the process of minting on Foundation that would um, identify whether you're in a restricted area? Because I'm assuming that um, Foundation will have to abide by the same laws as it would see in that regard. I don't think like on any platform I I put in details of like where I'm from. I don't remember, but I don't think I I did that. So I don't think that there's something in in this area that's different from between like OpenSea and Foundation. So I don't know like why it's going this way. Like why are OpenSea saying that they are abiding by the, the the US rules, but like Foundation is not doing the same. Can you guys hear Emma? Can you guys can you guys hear me? No, I, I can hear you. I can hear you, Sarah, but I can I can't hear Emma. No. Uh oh. Uh oh. Is that better? Uh oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. There you are. Okay. Welcome back. Thank you. I changed my earbuds, Hi. and that was not successful. <laughs> um, but I was just mentioning. I didn't know if there was a process for. Um, 
for the onboarding process where they were identifying that differently, but I've never heard anyone mention ahead of time that they weren't able to list their work on foundations. So um, just curious how, you know, different, different platforms interpret those restrictions and those different um, things that they, that they say are keeping them from having different work listed. So, um, but Kefel, you are welcome to take the mic if you would like. Yes, thank you very much, Emma. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> and uh, I'll be honest first. Okay, I whenever I join Meta Jungle Space, I just click on request, then I read the title of the space. So I was listening first to what you guys are talking about. Then I would chime in. But wonderful, you all are talking about this uh, platforms because, yes, I'll, I'll not talk anything about OpenSea because I don't think there's anything to talk about that platform, to be honest. Uh, it sucks literally in every, each and every way. Uh, most of the time it's just broken, links don't work, it doesn't open and stuff like that. But there was a silver lining for somebody who's beginning and doesn't has too much investment to mint, uh, sorry, not mint, mint a whole collection of their own. So the lazy minting does works there. Now, Foundation is my favorite platform. That was the first platform I wanted to go to. I went to it, even though my first mint costed $220, I still paid it because three reasons you know is the interface i somewhere like it it's clean uh, especially for animations you know my artworks are animations they loop seamlessly and even in their thumbnails they do so perfectly you know even if you just view the page all the pieces in the collection they are just looping seamlessly and it's very good quality uh, i love it i love how that the whole thumbnails look like and how the collection views uh, for artworks for animations and photography uh, and it fills the whole frame the square frame so that was a good part second was somewhere on the control of the of the artist so you don't have to seek permission or reach out to somebody again when you have to delist change the listing price set a buy now set a reserve or anything you can do it you can burn a piece whenever you want to a single piece in your collection you can edit your collections how you want to so that's a good feature to have and i joined a foundation when it was invite only and it was not invited by the platform. It was invited by your other artist friends. You know, the other artists, they when they get an invite to send out, they would send out. But there was this unethical practice that people started selling invites. I got scared. I, first, I read somewhere that, you know, it was selling for $5,000. Uh, and I got an invite for free in one day on Twitter. <laughs> I just had to retweet and follow one person and he sent me an invite. Uh, but lastly, uh, one feature I miss of theirs is they had a feature to initiate a private sale. I don't know how many of you have used it because my first sale was through that. You know, I made a sale even when the piece was not minted. When I minted it, I did not have to go and ask the collector to, okay, I've minted it. Now make an offer again and again. I just initiated a private sale. They got an email of the private sale and they just had to click approve and pay the ETH amount. I don't know why they removed it. I don't think so. it was widely used, but it was a useful feature. Uh, as far as I never had an auction experience, so no comments there. As far as buy now and reserves are concerned, reserves, I always, I never set a buy now price. When It's not compulsion. When they tell you to set a buy now price after minting, I just leave the page, then go back to my image or any work that I have, and I set a reserve. That's a simple way to do it. So you don't necessarily have to put it first and then remove it. That's not there. And one last thing I wanted to say was, you know, there's a lot of debates about the fees that the platforms take. And we had this discussion once in Subodh says, Chip was also there. And I said it that time as well, that 
you know platforms do a lot for us we are not tech experts we are artists so we don't know how to write smart contracts codes for ourselves uh, or even some uh, like sloika does a good job in promoting the artists as well they post their works every once in a while on twitter host drop parties for them and so and so so if a platform has that image built already a brand around them and you are a part of it and they are re- writing a really good code for you they are trying to even promote your work and everything i seriously don't mind even if the fees goes a little higher if i'm getting something in return you know i can put a value to it so even then i wouldn't even if it's 15% i wouldn't mind yeah 50% i would mind but like 10 15% i don't mind if they are giving something for that value which is writing a good code helping you in promotion and stuff so that way i guess these two platforms are my only two pl- favorite platforms i won't talk about super rare cuz it's uh, it's very limited right now you know it's not open to everybody so even no matter how good it is it's good for only those people who have been approved so these two are the current platforms i really love and for these three reasons solely and i'm satisfied i have no complaints so far and especially the the new tab format how to view your work i'm loving it so far you know that's a good thing that foundation has done that you can arrange your home tab so looking forward to a lot more let's see how my auction experience goes cuz i never had it that's all from my side on this conversation well thank you for adding all of that and yes let's see how it goes for you i don't think i think emma's having some connection issues i'm not sure if she can hear me now but she couldn't actually hear you we were <laughs> we were messaging each other but we are going to have a stop soon around the 11 mark it's 11 for us or 11 for me i should say but uh chip had his hand up for quite some time so i definitely want to jump over to him and definitely hear his thoughts on this subject so if you are still there please chip how is it going fuck me guys how you doing everyone all right we are good um, we are very good I, honestly i love the way you guys can talk about <laughs> you can talk about a buy now button for literally an hour it's it's unbelievable um yeah don't overthink this stuff man like i'd be completely platform agnostic and um look at where your market is you know look at look at where <laughs> if you're selling photos then you go to sloika and you know you figure out so if you if you if you're minting a piece of work you identify who who the you know who who are uh, who's selling similar types of work what platform sells it most effectively and then mint it on that platform don't care about buy now <laughs> like buy now auction who care like i mean i don't know i think i don't think there's enough buyers in the market for you to to really expect bidding wars um i like i would know, I, unless the buy now is 0.05 higher I'll always go to auction because 95% of the time it's going to go un- uncontested and I see these people that have got like the you know the reserve at one eighth the buy now three and a half or something <laughs> like you know it's just yeah I I just, I love you guys I really do it's, um I don't know what else to say to you <laughs> I've just, I literally spent an hour listening to you talk about buy now but and it's just really it's fucking tickled me proper um no offense intended obviously And Chip, I think 
that's a good point that sometimes we can um, overthink some of the options and some of the possibilities. Um, and it is good to hear, you know, from the collector side that there's plenty of times that that maybe those details won't hold them back. Um, so it may be a reason that, you know, to not overthink it and, and hold back from, from using a certain platform because of that. Um, and it sounds like one thing that you've noticed maybe is that, that huge, that broad difference between an auction and a buy now. So do you have, do you have any feedback on that from your point of view? I just don't think that there's enough buyers in the market for you to expect much of a, much of a, bidding war i mean you guys would know better than me like you you you, you big as a, as a collective you sell more art than i buy so you would have the answers you know how, how many how many pieces of art have you sold that have had bidding wars attached to them and how many have sold to the person that's hit the reserve i would guess it's probably 90 percent uncontested but you would know better than me you or you'd have a broader sample size um the other thing i'd say about this this platform conversation you're having is is to not get too attached to anything either like this is this is a market that's so small, really, and it's gonna, you know, you're talking like whatever they're whatever they're saying, like you know, twenty billion dollar in the industry. So you're gonna have new players coming in, um, and no one's doing it very well either. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see you know new people coming in and carving out the market. So they'll they'll come in and they'll just take a slice, like Sloika did. It's a smart smart thing to do. Um, and I think you'll just see the the market kind of chopped up, and then it'll make it really obvious where you should mint because it'll be there's a specialised market, you know, for three D or for animation or for you know whatever. Um, but I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about the, like the, all of these platforms need you, you know. Um, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too worried about it, and I'd and I'd have a really fluid approach to it as well. Um, don't get too attached to anything because you know foundation could be nothing in six months what's that volume 100 million i mean it's tiny really tiny so this is a pretty small business but um so you know they the foundation could disappear really like anytime so but i'm glad they've got a buy now button like that's that's properly flipped the market in its head um and we should talk more about it Um, but I love Foundation, actually. I actually really love Foundation. I think it's I think it's my preferred platform. I try and never buy anything off Super Rare because I hate them. Um, Maker's Place was all right until they didn't do anything for anyone. OpenSea, obviously, everyone hates, but I think they did quite a good thing of onboarding loads of people. Um, but, yeah, if, if I had to pick one, it would be Foundation, I think. But they're, they're in a really precarious position because they're, because they're everything, right? They'll... they'll, they'll, they'll Every, every genre of art is there and they're not top tier super has got that tag so they're in a really precarious position like that so if uh, you know that business can get chewed up pretty easy i would think maybe not now they've got the buy now i don't know <laughs> that might have changed everything no i do think it is important that they they listen to artists and um and collectors and to take into you know i think that they have shown over the last few months that they're trying to listen and accommodate different needs which i think is is a positive step but i agree that was one of the things when the invite part changed and opened up so much i kind of worried myself as if if they were trying to be more like another platform instead of just 
being themselves and, you know, staying their path and building out something that was still known for higher end art um, because, you know, removing that or making it more accessible. I know there's that debate. It can go either way from a curated platform, but, you know, there is an, an element there of, of keeping it dedicated to fine art if that's who, you know, what you're creating and what the collectors that you want to be um, interacting with. Um, so I hope that I hope that as we're moving forward, they do have a, a stronger path of where they want to be um, and not not just trying to be everything, because I think you do lose a little bit of um, what makes you, you know, what makes you unique and what helps you stand out if you're just doing trying to be everything. Um, so, you know, the buy now button, that is something that can, can be what it is, but you know, if they're doing too much to try and be, um, what everybody else is instead of being defining who they are. And I, I feel that in a lot of different ways, even, you know, for, for artists, you know, if you're trying to be everything instead of just being uniquely you and knowing who you are and, and, you know, moving on that path, I think, I think we see a lot of that in the spaces where we try and, um, be everything and, and it'll be that way for platforms too. But I appreciate that chip that we will see see um, uh, things change so much. I mean, we know the space changes so quickly um, and we hope that the businesses that we are putting our, our energy into will continue, but there's nothing guaranteed. Um, so always being aware of what's coming up and how things are moving. And, and also I know um, it's been a while that Abram had mentioned also, you know, researching what the marketplaces are doing in, in trade value. Um, and I think that that is a valuable point um, because along the lines that the artist does, you know, the artist works work is what kind of creates the opportunity for a platform to have the ability to have products available for consumers. I know that puts it at a, uh, that takes it into a different um, understanding or a different dynamic, but really that is, if you break it down at the end of the day, there's, you know, for a marketplace, they need product to provide to collectors to create that opportunity for transactions. Um, so just making sure that when making those decisions, that it is something that is going to be um, effective for for you as a creator that they're also having that opportunity for there to be people that are going to be receptive to um, to your work. I think it's I think it's smart to think about it that way. And so missing out on that, you know, keeping that in mind, which obviously foundation and ones are with um, and other ones are ones that. Um, do have good trade volume and obviously very active trade um, active collectors but you know thinking about that as we're moving forward and and I do like chip what you had mentioned about um, it being more specific to the type of genre because I think that that's going to help with the effectiveness of collectors um, collecting work is if they're able to um, find the work easier yeah exactly like that none of the platforms are doing it very well if you think it's not like it's not difficult to to put an algorithm on the site and say we've noticed you've bought this type of art you might be interested in this and that, and then they're actually helping the artists to push and sell stuff um, none of them do that and it's really not difficult because it's just a tag um, so you know the, the, these the, I don't I don't feel like these platforms are really working for the artists as much as they should they, they, they're not really bringing an audience to you Twitter, Twitter brings out audience um, they're not they're not creating like they're not creating awareness they're not creating desire they're not creating action really all they do is Basically, they're the checkout chick. Sorry, checkout guy, or whatever you want to call it. Right? Um, you know, that's all they do. They they, they 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 just wait there for you to do all your shopping, all your browsing, and then they scan it at the end and take their commission. So that I don't, I don't, I think there's someone's going to someone will, someone will change that. I hope they do because 
it's uh this whole thing was supposed to be for the artists and support artists to uh make make more money and not not get caned you know and not get like taken advantage of uh, problem is is that all of you are single entities right every single one of you is like a like an entrepreneur business owner so so to negotiate with you is so easy because um, you know I, I just just keep keep pitching until i get the price where i want it so swati says well i won't do it for less than 20 percent so then i go to omar he says 18 then kafil says 16 and then sub goes five percent because he sells so much you know like you know what i mean and then and then and then whatever the lowest point is that that then becomes the threshold like that that becomes the the rate card so it's important it's really hard for you um i think yeah i think you're at a massive disadvantage with with, with any negotiation with these guys but I hope um, I hope an artist platform for artists gets created. That that would be really fucking cool. I agree. I agree. Um, and Cathel, I know that you raised your hand, so you are welcome to take the mic, and then we'll head over to Dan. Yeah, thank you so much. As long as we are on this topic of buy now and reserve, see, I always favored the reserve and the auction because I felt this was fair. Okay, Jip is laughing, but I I know I'm gonna talk about it for five more minutes. Because I felt it was fair <clears throat> because the artists who don't know how to set the initial price, what their value in the market is, it seemed like a fair way that, you know, you set it at a lower price. And if you are successful enough to bring exposure to your live auction, then the market takes care of the rest. But you know, lately, I'm feeling that the collectors might now side with the buy now, actually, because there's a lot of manipulation that is happening uh, in the auctions uh, and some of it is very unethical because I saw in collector bidding for a piece then the artist outbid him from his own secondary wallet uh, trying to push the price up you know which is absolutely ethical and they got exposed through the ethics scan but there's one more thing that is happening is that friends are kickstarting the auctions for their friends you know I don't know I don't know if you can term it unethical or what uh, I'm not saying it's unethical or something like that but See, they, it creates a false image. It creates that there was demand for that work. However, the reality was that they trying to create demand and hype and FOMO and trying to push the price up. Then if somebody outbids them, they'll outbid them again because I've heard some people saying, oh, this, deser this piece deserves to go to one ETH. Then why didn't you bid for one ETH? You know, it's as simple as that. If you deserve and if you wanted the piece and you feel like the piece is worth one ETH, why didn't you bid for one ETH? But they are just kickstarting the auctions and then trying to promote to the collectors in such a way and then even outbidding them even further till that high price is reached and the collectors are ended up paying more for a piece which they could have acquired for a lesser amount. So these manipulations, I feel like collectors might avoid auctions now. So that might and maybe later our foundation may remove the auction feature once and for all. So that's something which is happening. And I don't know what's going to happen. So again, let's see. Yes, I do think we're kind of at a point where we, I think there's elements about it being kind of the wild, wild west that are exciting and things that unfortunately people will um, see those opportunities and um, and they'll, they'll really exploit them. That's Unfortunately, that's human nature in a lot of cases. Um, so I think it's good to be aware of those situations and, and mindful. Um, but it is, I think we're a ways away from being able to um, really control how those things happen. Um, but it is something that's really good to be aware of. Um, and, and Daniel, you're welcome to go ahead and take the mic if you'd like. 
Hey, thanks. Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, I wanted to say, H. Chip, it's really cool to have you give your perspective because I think while some of us do are collectors and we do collect, um, it's a little bit different process, and and we are, I think, oftentimes approaching it from an artist standpoint. Like when I think about the buy now button and I think about auctions, I'm thinking about what is that like for me as an artist, you know? And I watch, I just I see people um, start and I see bidding wars kick off. But you're right; it's rare. It does. It's not quite as often as we'd like uh, as artists. I think <clears throat> that one of the things that's that that we're trying to work through, and and I appreciate your perspective on looking at the different platforms, is is that you're right. The platforms don't really they don't really serve artists that well. And I think the biggest obstacle that I've come across is that uh, if they're going to be taking a cut shouldn't they be doing something to promote or uh, create discoverability? You know, that this is one of the things that I've been most frustrated by is that um, nobody has ever told me they found my artwork by looking through OpenSea or Foundation or Sloika. This, this is just not a thing. It doesn't exist. Unless you have traction, you have not, you're not going to hit the explore, you know, the, the, um, you know, the featured artist section. And that kind of sucks. So the reality is if somebody was interested in desert landscapes or mud cracks or uh, intimate details from the desert, that should be easy to find. They should be able to find me. But that's just not how it works. And if somebody was interested in, in self-portraiture in amazing landscapes, they should be able to find Sarah. Um, if they're interested in amazing light over... Uh, you know, beautiful, uh, giant landscapes, they should be able to find, find Arwen. This, this is not, this is a solved problem. So we, I think it'd be great if there was a way for us to, to push the platforms to be better, but like, it's super irritating to pay five or 10 or even 2.5% to a platform when literally all they did is allowed you to put the artwork up there. They didn't do anything to help you find an audience. And I, I definitely understand those concerns, Dan. I, I, I totally agree. And I think that that's something that hopefully in the future will begin changing. And it, it is knowing how to get that message to them. Um, but Chip, you are welcome to comment. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, you're 100% right, Dan. These, these platforms have been really lazy. Do you know how easy it would be for any of them to send you an email once a month or even more frequent than that, to tell you how many people had landed on your profile page, where that traffic had come from, who'd actually lit, clicked on a photo or an actual image, who bounced from that. All of that data is already there. They have all of it. So that's, and, they, and, and they've got your email address. It's all, it can all be automated. So they can shift all of that to an artist and you can start building a business based on the data that you're getting from there. You know exactly what traffic's, you know, what the traffic's doing, where you're, where you're purchasing funnels getting stalled. And then, and then you can, you can sort of shift your marketing and your, the way you approach the market to, uh, in line with where you're stalling and that, and that data would help shape that for you. And it's hard for you to do that because you're artists, you know what I mean? You're probably not that analytical. I don't know if some of you may, maybe, but I'm making, horrible assumptions but um and and they should be doing you know they should be they should be making recommendations they should be doing interviews um with 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 you know they should be doing artist spotlights they should be you, you should be able to, to do scalable commissions with these guys 
and you should you know you should you should agree to if you could do a bundle thing with other artists or there's there's so many things that they could be doing and they're not complex to encourage you know once once someone's on that platform what they need to, what their job is to make sure they ne- they do not leave that platform without buying something and they're not doing that they're, what what they're doing is they're relying on twitter and you guys doing spaces like this for you to build up connections so that the desire and connection component of the purchase is already done so that when they get to the platform it's literally all the work is done they're just putting something in a car and buying it um and that's not good enough but like that is not that's not a business that should should really succeed um and they're getting away with it because the, the market's so immature but um it will change it will have to it will, it will change like you know that they that their duty really is to is to is to, is to keep any visitor on that site and they'll have all that data like how many people get onto foundation and then leave without buying anything that that number you know they, they, that's that's where they should be obsessed and i don't think they probably are that's exactly it that right there and one more thing i think is interesting is uh, i actually just bought a new house and i'm trying to sell my old one and it's one of those things where you know just listing a house and putting it onto the listing service that's that doesn't earn you a commission <laughs> like this is um, it's understood that real estate agents are supposed to actually work to sell the property they're actually supposed to try to make it enticing and get it in front of the right people if all they did was put it up take pictures of it and put it on the internet like that's man why are you getting a commission for that and so that's sort of part of my frustration is i really want to see some of the platforms are gorgeous like slika is beautiful it is absolutely beautiful it's the best presentation of the art but there's no discoverability because there's no search feature. And I, I just, and I love those guys, but I want to, I, I, that stuff needs to be better um, in order for it to really serve the artists. Okay. I'm done talking. <laughs> Thanks. Excellent points for sure. Excellent feedback. Um, and Swati, you are welcome to take the mic. Um. You know, I, I agree with what Don and Chip said uh, about, you know, the platforms not doing enough. But having said that, and, and I'm always screaming that, you know, foundation doesn't do anything. And uh, but having said that, actually, one of my images was picked up by uh, a big collector who found me on foundation. I'm probably because of the tags that I used. I, I never asked him and I should. And I wasn't even following him on uh, Twitter, forget about him following me on Twitter. Even I wasn't following. I didn't even know who he was because most of the time I'm clueless who the collectors are. But uh, then I found out that he was one of the big collectors and he found me on foundation. And uh, it was uh, so, so not saying that to say that they never find you also. I, I can't say that anymore. But yes, does it, is it painful that they don't do anything? Yes. Also, I think from, you know, the platform's point of view that, you know, how many people are getting onto the platform every day? I mean, is it really possible to highlight each and every person? That's, see, that the reason why, why I was on Sloika and I loved it so much is because they uh, always would do, um, you know, whenever an artist joined, they have this space where they're, you know, talking about the art introducing the artists and all that and and uh, but but foundation being foundation and with so many artists in there uh, i don't know how much that is actually possible to if they do it that's great 
but I don't know how possible that well, is really. Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, entirely possible. It's all, all you're doing is tracking, tracking like a you know the the traffic that goes to the site and what they do when they get there. Every publisher on the planet does this, you know. Um, so you can so you can build content around what your what your readership is looking for. So if you're publishing, um, you know, a news site. And you're finding that most of your traffic is interested in reading about um, pop stars having affairs or whatever. Well, then you create more content around pop stars having affairs and do, do less about secondhand cars or something. You know, like I mean, that's how that's how publishers work. But yeah, and and, and as for the discovering thing, like I'm glad that's happened for you, Swati. And I think I think that's what that's awesome. You know that that's happened. But the point the point I'm making more so is that they're not actively doing anything to try and encourage discoverability and you need like that's you know you have to discover something before you can be consider it as a purchase and uh i i can't i've never ever like gone onto a platform and and scrolled and discovered and gone through like a wormhole like you might do on youtube or something because youtube is so clever at saying oh you watch this video you watch this and you go on there to watch a five minute video and fucking three days later, you're still watching stuff and you're an expert on, I don't know, fucking the history of the light bulb or something mental, you know? So it's like, but they're, they're really good at keeping you in your attention. And these platforms aren't trying to do any of that. That's, that's, that's my, that's my point rather than that. It's not possible. If that makes sense. That's brilliant. But did you just mention celebrity gossip because you, you thought I'm a woman? <laughs> that would make me happy. But, you know, having said that, uh, jokes apart, see, the, see, see, you said it yourself. So if you find out that there is a group of people who are interested in celebrity gossip, then why not, you know, feed them more of the gossip? But what about uh, the person who wants to have uh, pineapple on their pizza there is nothing for them so then they start cribbing right so are, yes, then, but, then yeah. the platform will also have to do something to create interest for uh, uh you know to create this interest that you know pineapple pizzas are awesome isn't it um okay i'm not quite understanding that analogy but what what i mean what what you what found out what these platforms should be trying to do is going to market and finding people and attracting people to their site outside of people. So, so all they've got is a pull mechanism straight from Twitter. They're not pushing to find an audience, are they? They're not, they're not going to identify, okay, this crop of people that are aged between 25 and 45 that have this net expenditure um, and, are, and have bought art in real life within the last six months, we're going to target them and we're going to bring them into our platform and we're going to start educating them around NFTs. Who's doing that? Who's going? Who's going out there to find the new consumers? That's their job. They should be doing that. I mean, yes, it's it's brilliant for the artists if they do that. So you know, I can't complain about that. But they do have their, uh, you know, the the artists that are trending. I don't know how they do it, but but they have stuff like that. So I guess no, they're they have, doing. No, that's, that's in that's in their site though. So that's internal. So. And it's easy to, I mean, to train the artist. It's just the number number of pages of of an artist. Right? They're just gonna. That's all it would be. I'm, yeah, uh, you know. And Kafil, did you have a comment that you wanted to add to the conversation? <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I understand the Swati's that analogy of pineapple pizza, and I guess foundation is somewhere doing it. I guess their metric of deciding who goes on the homepage is, I guess, based on whose artworks are being viewed a lot, and those are the auctions that they display on the homepage, hoping that it might get more bids because the more money they earn, the higher is their fee, and they might be getting on that. And what Chip is saying, it's definitely they should be done because you see apps like Swiggy and Zomato here in India. You know, they are food delivery apps. And I get an email from them. You know, you ordered from 100 restaurants last year. You tried 20 different cuisines. You ordered. If they, and that's a nonsense metric for me. I don't know what to do. I don't want to know how many cuisines I ate in last year. But this cuisine, yes, it's important to know whether my collector came from Twitter or the platform helped me. How many people have viewed it? How many people saw the reserve price and then might have gotten discouraged? How many people have not viewed? So I might try to promote. So it, you know, it will help in strategy if we have those metric. And yes, I agree with Chip that platforms are so. Even if they have millions of people on their platform, they are still capable of doing that because they run on data. You know, all their decisions. Why did they remove certain features? Because they had the data that people are not using them. so they have all the data and to send it to each and every artist it's very much possible and they should do it not publicly like how opensea does where you have that view count and everything on there because again that can be manipulated but somewhere in the emails they should send a report saying that you know what was the performance based on all these views and clicks and all this what was the conversion rate basically so that would be really helpful to deciding our strategies Yes, the opportunity to have reliable data definitely is a, an exciting point, um, turning point, um, for us to be able to make those decisions. Um, because even you know, right now, what we have is you know some Twitter analytics and then Linktree analytics, but it's still hard to actually drill down and be able to um, equate those with with actual sales performance. But that will be so helpful. I know that there there has to be an opportunity for that in the future, and why it's not something that's already being used. I, I don't have the answer for that, but it will be very, very helpful. Um, and Omar, you are welcome to take the mic. Yeah, I just wanted to add on like what Chip Chip was saying on uh, YouTube and the recommended videos and all of that. Like some platforms have the the, the categories for the piece of art. So, so maybe for like photography, is it like aerial photography? Is it underwater? Is it like landscape? Is it portrait? Is it what? So yeah, platforms that have that. So let's say I'm looking at a at a landscape from Sarah's work. So I'm looking at this piece, and I see in the recommended sections pieces of landscape for the, that are tagged as landscape from other artists as well. So yeah, it's not like I'm just only seeing what Sarah has. I'm, I'm you're taking me from one artist to one artist to one artist. So it 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 would help to maybe like. Discover a new artist because I was looking at an at an established artist that I know, or like someone I I saw a tweet about on Twitter, so I went to that profile. But uh, then I discovered another new one that I like, and it has a cheaper price or like a more affordable price because they're just getting in or whatever the reason is. So yeah, and 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 it's not like a complicated thing. You already have like you already eighty percent of the way there with everything. You just have to like. Place the data you have on the website. That's it. 
completely agree with that feedback. That opportunity to um, for discoverability would be very helpful, um, and I think I think that would be something helpful for artists as they're making some decisions and finding similar um, artists in their genre, but also very much so in the collectors, um, you know, ability to to discover new artists as well. Um, and Arwen, you are welcome to take the mic. I was basically just going to agree with everyone on this whole conversation that Dan started about, um, you know, the platform's not really helping us to be seen. I totally agree with. I did once have a collector find me on Foundation, but that's very rare. Um, and so I think Foundation is working towards that. Like they had mentioned, they're expanding the homepage. And one thing they want to be able to do is let you share art from other artists or collectors share art from artists um, on your homepage eventually, which isn't exactly what people were talking about, but kind of, because like I could put some of Sarah's, you know, on mine, like kind of recommending her as another artist that people might look at, which would, you know, be kind of a cool thing to do. Um, and then uh, I wish the category, at least they could make the categories a little more specific, like, you know, photography is so general. Um, so that would be an easy thing uh, that these platforms could do. I completely agree, Arwen. There is a lot of opportunity there, and it is kind of amazing um, with Web 2 being what it is, that it, those practices have not been brought over into the Web 3 world. Yeah, I, I think this goes back to something also Ship uh, said about like having platforms dedicated to a certain type of art. So, yeah, you have, you have a platform for photography, so it should have the categories for like yeah, this is landscape, this is aerial, this is portrait, this is what you have something for a platform dedicated to to the art. Okay, this is the type of the art or like the the method or whatever. You have something for music. This is the type of music. So yeah, we we need to have like more platforms that are dedicated to a certain type of art, so that at least even as as a collector, like I'm I'm feeling today, like I'm feeling in the mood to 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 get some two D art. This is where I'm going. I'm feeling like I need a photography or something. This is where I'm going. So it, it it's gonna be easier to classify everything and it'd be easier to be like found. I agree. And I think I think that's one thing that as artists, um, you know, re remembering to include as many of those keywords, what could be used as keywords in the future, and also details when listing your work, because I can see that being something a little bit different from a site that they're curating and creating the content for opposed to like a, a, a site where other private providers are providing the content to be able to have searchable information those details have to be there to be found and so if you're able to include those details with your artwork that's going to allow you to be more findable when those search features are are available so you know using you know the description and talk about you know landscape photography keep those um you know those properties in your listings and really detail make sure your name is on all of your artwork, like actually written in the descriptions, um, because when the search features do come, if that information isn't findable, it's going to leave, you know, it's going to make it even more challenging for you to be findable, because I do believe that those search options will happen in the future. However,
information, the data has to be there for them to be able to pull from. Um, so hopefully there's some very exciting things coming in the future. I have to think that that is going to be something that is going to be available. Um, but also just being aware and taking those opportunities to educate ourselves on developments so we can prepare ourselves accordingly and make sure that we are doing all we can to have to set ourselves up for opportunities, I think is really important. And it's been a really, really great conversation um, today. And I hate um, to to go ahead and do this. I know we're running about a half an hour later than what we had um, planned for, um, but I am going to need to close the space um, about this time. Um, we have our artist feedback AMA session happening over in Meta Jungle. Um, and with Miss Boss Mom being on maternity leave, I'm still helping out on multiple fronts. So um, I'll probably will wrap it up, but this is a conversation that we can definitely continue continue the conversation. I think there's been a lot of food for thought um, shared. And I did go ahead and take the two tweets from the top that were pinned to the top. I shared those in the thread below the space as well, because obviously when we close out the space, those won't be available. But if you'd like to check out the recording for Foundation as they're talking about some of their future plans and also um, the thread um, detailing some of Super Rare's plans for moving towards decentralization, those are available there. So um, thank you, Arwen, for sharing those. Um, again, we always like to have that opportunity to not just, you know, learn about things secondhand, but actually have the tools available to be able to make good decisions. So, um, and really appreciate everybody that's contributed today. Definitely um, know that there's room to be growing <laughs> in this space, but also I think it's important to have these conversations, um, you know, to think about things that um, as creators, we should be looking for from different places platforms and, and ways in which we can um, work together to maybe make those voices heard more and also for collectors to hear things that are important for artists and, and really it's beneficial for everyone and it is beneficial for the marketplaces to keep these things in mind because um, they do benefit <laughs> from, from the opportunity as well. So um, hopefully we can continue that um, opportunity for, for sharing our voices with the larger platforms as well and see what the future holds. But um, I will go ahead and, and turn it over to Sarah real quick and see if you had anything you'd like to share. I don't have much to share, but just want to say thanks everyone that came up and added. I feel like I have done absolutely nothing. To be honest, I've just drank a green smoothie and now I'm in the bath. Enjoy listening to you guys, not being American host. So thank you for all the information I learned today. And it's so good to be back. Really, truly, it's good to be back with these Friday spaces. I love you guys. So I'm going to keep it really short so we can close this off and move on with our day. But thanks for coming and we'll see you next week. That is great. And it is great to have such um, a good conversation today. So thank you. And Arwen, Dan, Swati, Homan, Omar, Kafil. I know Savod contributed some and very much H-Chip. It's great to have all the different perspectives and have the information and food for thought. So um, really constructive space. And I hope that everybody found some valuable information. Appreciate you guys coming and contributing. And we'll definitely look forward to meeting again next Friday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Time. 
And um, also, if you guys have topics you would like to bring up and discuss, definitely DM um, myself, Emma, Meta Girl, or um, Sarah, and we would be happy to um, have that opportunity to discuss topics that are relevant further. So thank you guys so much for joining today. With that, I will go ahead and close out, but appreciate everybody and have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you all soon.